And welcome to another show of Don't Get This Twisted. I am the professor, along with my co-host, Tina. How are you doing, Tina? Hey, professor. How are you? Oh, absolutely. Beautifully awesome. <laughs> I mean, that's not the truth, but hey, you know, it's for Fake the it. show. Fake, Fake it, it till you make, you make it. it. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> um, so today we're going to do a show that you actually came up with, which was, you know, as always, you're one of the ones who comes up with a lot of shows or at least some of the ideas. Thank goodness, because I just don't have it in me to do that. All, all the work. <laughs> um, today's show is going to be on infertility. And um, I know that this is something that's going to kind of hit close to home for you and probably for some of our viewers. Um, yeah, it's it's actually more common in the United States, actually in general, than you think um, there's more than 3 million cases per year, which I thought was quite a bit more than, than I would have thought. I would have thought it would have been um, a lot less. And I would have thought it would have been a lot more. Oh, okay. see. So that's just in the U S so 3 million in the United States only. Okay. At least from where I'm getting it. And I'm getting it from, from Bing. I just typed in statistics in America. <laughs> infertility um let's see some of some of the major symptoms um for men uh change in sexual desires problems in uh ejaculation or erections testicles are small and firm there's one i didn't know hmm. less hair growth of beard mustache or chest interesting so if, so if your shit don't grow on your face eh, it could be a problem you might not be having any babies um, pains, lumps or swelling that may be experienced in the testicles, which oh. kind of makes sense. Uh, that's the baby makers, right? I mean, mm -hmm. you know, if the bags aren't working, there's a problem. <laughs> um, I'm trying to get a few laughs into this show before it gets super serious. Um, <laughs> So here's some of the symptoms for women, um, abnormal menstruation, excessive facial hair growth. So that's something crazy. You get the beard and we don't. Right. <laughs> um, uh, a loss or thinning of your hair. Okay. And obesity, which, you know, if you go back to the ED show. <laughs> it's the same for men. Yeah. You know, look, if you're, if you're overweight, your thing don't work. Or your nuts start hurting. For goodness sakes, it's just a horrible, horrible thing. Let's see, some treatments. Hormone therapy for uh, improving sperm count. Ovarian stimulator. Hmm. Um, Self-care. Let's see, relaxing techniques. Try intercourse within a week after menstruation. Hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, let's see, causes. Low sperm count to diabetes or home hormonal variations, diabetes, another ED one, sexual problems like premature ejaculation or erectile dysfunction. Another reason not to have baby smoking hmm. very bad, obviously for having children and pretty much anything else in life. Um, and then certain medications. 
uh, in woman. Let's see your causes ovulation disorders due to very vari- uh, variations in hormones. Um, uterine ab- abnormalities. Thickening of the uterus walls. Being overweight, just like us men. Infections that are sexually transmitted. So mm-hmm. getting an STD can stop you from having a baby and Absolutely. being exposed to certain types of chemicals. So, you know, it looks like with a lot of different things in our health, it looks like obviously there's some things that go along with our sexual reproduction, um, being overweight, being one of them um, and several other things. So, Obviously, it, it is a big a bigger deal. There's someone in my life that I know um, that is very close to me that could not conceive. Um, they were trying and trying and trying, and then they decided they were going to just give it up because price. Um, it was just expensive, and it's unfortunate. Mm-hmm. Um, they decided to get a dog because, well, you know, it's the next closest thing to a baby. If you... <laughs> <laughs> until you have a baby because then it's right. nothing like that. So that being said, um, let's start with experience. Cause obviously my experiences aren't what yours are. Um, I was lucky. The only issue that I ever had during the making of a child was we had a false pregnancy, which is where your body thinks the egg sticks and it does not. You're literally not pregnant. It's not even a big deal. The doctor literally said, here's your picture. You were never pregnant. There's no reason to, you know, feel like you can't have a child. Go make one. And fortunately, we went and made one. And now (laughs) he's just a asshole. Um, (laughs) I love him, but he's he's an asshole. So what are your experiences? Let's let's go that route. Since I know this was your idea and your show, I'm going to assume that you have a much larger story to tell than I do. Absolutely. So um, back when we I chose to get married, which was 21 years ago, no, 16 years ago, um, we had been having sex for about five years, but we're not getting pregnant. We weren't really trying, but we weren't avoiding anything either. So I started going to the doctor, uh, which turned into a fertility specialist. It turned into an endocrinologist. It turned into all these appointments that I had. Uh, We had to be tested, found out that my husband's sperm count was exceptionally high and viable. So that was a good thing. So Mm -hmm. all the problems that we had uh, started with me. Um, They the problems that I was having weren't really bad or severe. They were definitely things that could be uh, prevented and fixed with medication. So I had PCOS, which is polycystic ovarian syndrome. And um, basically what happens is your body doesn't, um, it'll make like little cysts in your ovaries or um, it, it causes problems with basically with being able to, to make the the follicle, which becomes the egg, which becomes the the embryo. So anyway, um, I started going to all these appointments and the medication started coming in. I was getting a a moving box 
full of medications every month from a client of mine who worked for a fertility, uh, uh, I don't want to say drugstore, what is a pharmacy. So anyway, I'd get these drugs and I'd take them all out and refrigerate what I needed to and read all the instructions on everything. And there were shots and there were lozenges you put in your mouth. There were things that you inserted up into your vagina. There were creams. There was, I mean, pills, the list was long. Like I said, it was a moving box that I got every month. And we started on this path of trying to get pregnant and we'd go to the appointments and we weren't getting the results that we wanted. And so they kept doing these different things. I finally, they got me into a drug study where they were giving me medications that were, that were approved in other countries, but not in the U S. So by the time I was at my peak, I was taking so much medication. I didn't even know who I was. The, um, the, the, the severe bitchiness, the pain, the periods that were a mess, emotionally being just spent, physically being spent, um, the injection sites swelling and being sore and aggravating the muscle. <laughs> we, I mean, there were so many things that went on with this. I'm surprised that there could be a baby to be made because nobody would want to have sex with a woman going through all these things. Right. And how old were uh, you at this time? I was 34, 34. Okay. So I went through all of that for several months. I did the, um, we did the embryo. Well, first it started off with just doing um, inseminations. Like his sperm would go, they'd inject it into my, um, into me um, when I was ovulating. And you do that for like two or three times within a three day cycle. And then you'd wait and then you'd see if, uh, if you were pregnant. So we did that quite a few times. Um, and that was not catching. So then they did surgeries to kind of clean out the uterus lining and start that over. I, I felt like I was a pincushion, mm -hmm. just everything that you could possibly think of. We were doing um, to the point where like, we had to have semen at the doctor's office by a certain time on a certain day because of the egg retrieval and being having to work, trying, you know, to make money to do this. My husband at the time and I could not even get to the doctor. So we had my cousin go and pick up the bag that had my husband's specimen in it and run it mm -hmm. down to the doctor so that it could be done in time and they could make the embryos. And it, it was um, it was quite a, an ordeal to get pregnant. Um, went through this for a few years. I, uh, I believe it stopped. We were doing this quite often for several years and, um, it stopped when I turned 40, when I turned 40, I had had my last miscarriage cause I had had a few miscarriages that were not very long-term, but they were ultimately miscarriages. Um, I had a miscarriage. I, I was feeling really sick and I said, I'm going to go lay down. And I woke up in the middle of a nap and I was drenched in blood, got up to go to the bathroom. And there were pieces that were literally falling out of my pants as I was walking to the bathroom. Uh, found out later that that was my last and final miscarriage. And when that miscarriage happened, for some reason, it did something internally to me and I was not going to be able to hold a baby anymore. 
So I had to have a partial hysterectomy where they removed my uterus and my cervix. Um, so basically I didn't get pregnant and I went through all of these things for, for so long. And it, it was, it was so intense. I don't know how my, my husband at the time put up with me because of being severely bitchy, having no, um, no real personality. I was exhausted all the time. The pain, the, the, the seriousness of all these medications and, and keeping a schedule was intense. And at the same time, I was also taking care of my grandfather who had to come and, and stay with us because he, he was elderly and sick and he was having a lot of problems himself. And I was his caregiver and his, I was in charge of his medical decisions. So I was doing that too. So life was just really stressful on all of us. Um, I have an adopted daughter and um, it, she had a hard time with it too. Cause she couldn't understand how I would want a baby after having her. Um, I took, I took drama from friends who, who were like, Oh, you shouldn't be doing this. You shouldn't be doing that. If you can't have kids, you shouldn't have kids. I mean, it, it was really an insane time because I didn't Wait, get a lot. I didn't get a lot of support. Someone actually had the nuts to tell you that if you can't have a child, you shouldn't be raising one. That I should versa. that I shouldn't be going through all these things to have one. But you were, but you were raising one. I was raising one at the time. Yes. Okay. I just wanted to make sure that whoever said that to you was really stupid. Keep well, going. Um, and yes, they were really stupid and, uh, yeah. and very, um, and insensitive to the whole situation because anybody that's going through that is going to have so many emotions, so many feelings They're They're constantly questioning themselves on many levels. Like for instance, um, I was like, okay, this is my God given right as a woman to be able to recreate or not recreate, but procreate and have, have a, mm -hmm. have a child. And, and I couldn't do that. And the funny thing is, is as I was growing up, I was everybody's babysitter. I was the woman that everybody's kids felt comfortable with, the one that everybody wanted to be around. And lo and behold, I couldn't have my own children. When I had, I knew people that every time they laid down with a guy had a baby with a different man. So <laughs> We all was, know those. Yes. Yes. And it was yes. so frustrating to me because here I had waited because that was the smart thing to do because I always believed that a child needs a father. And, and that truly was the reason that I waited. I had a really good dad growing up. I still do. And I couldn't imagine not giving my child the same opportunity, the same benefits of having a man in their life. So I waited when I, when I got with my husband at the time, he was a really good dad. And we did end up uh, taking care of a child that we ended up years later adopting and keeping with us until she went off to college. So I knew I, I knew his character really well, and I knew that he would be the type of dad that I would want for my kid. So that that was all the reasoning that I even started that. Um, I, I never I never questioned if I was going to have children. I always assumed I was going to have a big ass family and I was going to be taking care of kids from the moment I woke up to the time I went to bed for the rest of my life. Never saw that this would, would throw such a wrench in my life of what I was creating and what I wanted. It, it was pretty, um, it was pretty intense, but yeah. So 
a lot of people were concerned that I was doing too much, in, including my ex. And I had tunnel vision. I thought that this was just something that needed to be done. And once I had my first baby, I would just get pregnant right away and we would get to the children we were going to have. And, and that would be it. And, and that was not the case. So uh, when I turned 40 years old was when I had to have a, a hysterectomy. That was when we couldn't do any more medications. Um, as a matter of fact, it took me about a year to completely get back emotionally and physically and, and personality wise, it took about a year for that to all get back to normal because of the medications I was taking. And, um, it, it was, it was a really hard thing for me to digest that I couldn't have children. Um, I felt very much alone and I felt like I was a failure because I couldn't make this happen. And especially seeing like, for instance, we were told by the doctors that from my husband, I would need a push of about 20 million semen. Okay. He was pushing 170 million. Like there was no reason that he couldn't have a buttload of children. Right. Um, it, it was all me. So that, so that stress and that anxiety was really hard to handle. And on top of it, trying to be a mom and a wife and a working woman and everything else that came with it. It was, it was overwhelming. The grief that, that I basically suffered in silence is as one thing failed after another. Um, looking back, my, my husband at the time, he didn't, he didn't really want to have kids. He knew that that was something I wanted and he was doing it for me. So mm-hmm. uh, at times I didn't feel like I, I got the, the um i got the support that i needed but maybe not the enthusiasm was probably the best way of putting it so it made it made it really uncomfortable for me to go through this and and i found since then that women that have gone through this still suffer years and years later after trying because they've never dealt with the grief and the loss of not becoming what they thought they would be or in all the miscarriages cuz miscarriages just goes crazy in this uh, type of situation. Like you get pregnant and then you can't keep it. So um, I find that 10 years after all of this, I'm finally able to talk about it where I'm not crying and I could look and see the light at the end of the tunnel and, and look back and go, wow, thank you God for not getting me pregnant because, you know, right now I'd have what a a Mm nine-year-old going through a divorce who wants to do that. You know, there's, Um, No one, trust me. No one. So see, there's so many things that that was going on. And uh, I did the the um, the in vitro where they they basically go in and they laser your ovaries so that your ovaries could uh, surge a bunch of follicles to to start the process of, of making a baby. So they did that to me. And then they they uh they harvested 10 viable embryos. They decided that they were going to put five in me the first time we did it. So, and that in itself, I have to tell you was the most insane thing. I think emotionally I had to go through. Well, yeah. Uh, I mean, you have five, you know, uh, what could be living humans in you. 
Yes. So I go to the doctor and the doctor says, we put five embryos in you and they're the, the five most viable ones. And we'll see like how many take. And I said, well, what are the chances that they all take? She goes, well, there is a chance that they all take because they are already embryos when we're putting them inside of you. And I said, well, what happens if all five take? She told me we take one or two of the strongest or one of each sex, depending on what it is that you want. And we abort the rest of them or we terminate the pregnancy of the rest of them. Mm-hmm. And I said to her, I said, okay, so I've been praying my whole life to have my own baby. I have a reoccurring dream that I'd have my own baby. Like I, I knew that this was going to happen. So you tell me if all five of them take, I'm going to have to, when I meet my maker go, Hey, thanks God. You know, I'm glad you got me pregnant, but I didn't want that many. I don't, I don't think I could do that. So if all five of them take, guess what? I'm going to go to term or try to go to term with all five of these babies. And even that was the scariest thing because sure. five freaking babies with two hands and a husband that doesn't even know how to hold a baby. Oh my God. How, how is that even going to work? Like I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to sell my soul to pay for all of this, you know, but um, ultimately I was supposed to go home and put my feet up. My uncle died that night after I had the in vitro and he died at my parents' house. So of course I got the phone call and needed to go over and take care of things. And lo and behold, none of those, none of those um, embryos came to be. And, and that in itself was to me, such a failure that my body couldn't make one child exist in this world. Um, The depression and everything and the anxiety was extreme And then you're just kind of off your rocker because you're on so many um, hormones anyway. You're not not sane by any means going through that. Um, It was a tough, it was a very tough time in my life. And I look back on it now and I think, damn, why did I try so hard? It didn't work out. But what, you know, I really wanted to do that. I really wanted to make it happen. And like I said, I didn't get the support from, from a lot of people that I thought I would. Uh, there were family members like my grandfather who knew when I was ovulating, he kept a calendar next to him where he sat in the living room and he'd say, okay, I don't want to see you this weekend. You guys go and do what you got to do and make me some grandbabies, you know, and that's, he was like my cheerleader, which I thought was kind of odd, but very sweet and funny. Um, well, because people want grandbabies. He wanted see grandbabies people, badly. You know? Yeah. He had grandbabies. He wanted great grandbabies. And Again, I think because of who I was in the family, they all expected them to come from me. So um, it was it was kind of a a trying time in my life. I think it very much played a toll on my relationship with my my daughter. I know that it hurt and frustrated my husband to no end. Um, But that's. I don't think that people understand what a woman goes through having all of that stuff inside of them and the fear of failing and, and the want and the desire to be a mom so bad. There's so many emotions and so many things. And I, and I don't think that as society, we really give women enough help with that. I know I didn't have it. it it's it, it put me into such a severe depression. It took years for me to get out of. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, again, I, I can see why, because obviously if you're, it's something you wanted to do and 
look, you wanted to have a child. And, and again, I, I went many, many years of not wanting any. And I, I kind of feel the same way that um, my ex-wife, I mean, she was 35 years old. I was 30. We had a, well, when my son was born, he, we had a 15 year old you and were, a 12 year old. How old were you? I was 30. I was 31 when he was born. Oh, okay. But for me, like, I think she had him for me because she was done. I mean, she had two older daughters. She saw the sun over the hill. Right. And here I come along like, I want a kid. And, and so at the end of the day, I think she definitely had him for me. Um, which is, you know, a whole other thing where, I mean, obviously I've never had not had my son. When I got a divorce, I took him, he was six. I raised him. He'll be 19 in December. So look, I, I wanted a kid and I wanted, and I took my kid and I took care of him and, you know, he also didn't have a fatherless home or a motherless home. I made sure that mom was in his life. But when it comes to something like what we're talking about here, you have to go through something. Uh, I would say forever. I mean, I would never say that you, you're ever going to be over it because that's something that's it's on your mind. Obviously that's why you wanted to talk about it on this show. Like the, it, it is saying something that, you know, you, you wanted that. Yeah. You know, I didn't. Okay. When I was 40 and all these things happened, there was so much going on. Um, the, if you want to list here, it goes, my daughter ran away cause she was pissed off. Uh, my mom died, um, from, I believe it was drug overdose, although we didn't have the actual autopsy, but the signs were there. Um, my my grandfather was sick and and he wasn't doing well. Um, my house was robbed. My cat was killed and died in my arms from our dog that got into the house when it wasn't supposed to be there. And the miscarriages. So all these things, all these things were piled up on me. And and I have to tell you that I'm just now that I have chosen to get divorced. I'm just now able to start talking about these things. There was so much pent up and there were so many emotions and things that were going on with me. I couldn't even look at it to the point where my friend said, you know, there's, um, I go once a year and I have a little, a little like birthday celebration for the child that I lost. And I was like, I've never even thought to do that. I don't know when they were conceived. I couldn't tell you the dates that they were no longer going to be anything. I, I didn't even think that I could have an opinion on how I felt about it because I chose to do this fertility shit. And so now that I'm able to look at things and, and, and life is forcing me to look at things, I, I can't believe all that I went through and didn't even acknowledge because it was so hard. I needed to get through it. I needed to get, I need to get past it before I could even deal with it. Right. I mean, obviously you're, you're, I mean, you're still going through something. We're, we're talking about it right now. I think you're just a different person on putting it on the level of like not, not doing a birthday thing or whatever. You're just, you did your best to move forward with yeah. however you could. Yeah. And, and I think that's the bigger thing is how do you do that? 
How, how did you do it? How did you move forward uh, for people who are, are either going through this or have like, what, what did you do to actually get forward? Uh, despite all the kicking and screaming that I did, I went and enrolled myself in school. I started taking psychology classes. I, I like psychology. I just needed to do something for me. And so I, uh, I started taking psychology classes and in these classes that I was taking, I had a really great uh, instructor who every time we said something and it sounded like we were blaming someone else, she would say, and what's your point or what's your part in all of this? And so I, I took that probably to heart more than she even thought that uh, somebody in her class would. And I started to to put my life back together. Like, even though I was frustrated with things that had happened in my life, I was taking responsibility on what I could do or change or fix now. And that was just basically going to school and trying to find my happy again. It wasn't taking care of all the problems. There was too many problems to take care of at once. So the best thing I could do was to, to find ways to be happy Nonetheless, even with all the crap going on, even with all of the the pain that I was suffering and all of the loss. Oh, my God, there was so much loss. Imagine losing your mom, everything that has to do with being a mother or having a child. And then all your your family heirlooms because my house was robbed. Even the rings were gone. There was nothing to mother when this was all over. It was it was done. So. It was it was a very trying time in my life. And and I had to I had to quit with the woe is me and think, okay, this is what happened. Now it's time to move on. Time to be happy. Time to start talking to people. Time to start being real. I don't know that I was ever completely real and shared all of me until all that happened. But I did that because I didn't feel like there was anything left to hide. I had been through the worst of the worst. And I didn't need to worry about it anymore. Like I just needed to be honest because I needed to fix me. And I noticed that in fixing me, I've become such an open person that I can talk about these things. And look, I'm not even crying. Like this is, this is good news for me. Like a year ago, man, even probably like, yeah, a year ago, I would say I could still cry over this. I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't change the fact that there's still the loss. It doesn't change the fact that everything was crappy and it, and it's, I could still feel it, but in order to move off, you or move forward, move off, move past it. You need to forgive yourself. I had to forgive the fact that my body wasn't going to do what I thought God wanted me to do. Mm-hmm. I had to, I had to quit looking at myself as someone that was going to take care of everybody for the rest of my life. Cause God was setting me free and he did, <laughs> he did on that. Um, I just needed to accept the fact that I couldn't control everything. And I am a control freak to some degree. And then in other ways, I'm not at all. I could give a shit, but when it comes to stuff like that in my family, I very much wanted to control it and have everything the way I wanted because that's how I thought it was supposed to be. So in letting go and in not worrying about the coulda, shoulda, wouldas, and in the just looking for the blessings outside of what was wrong, I don't know how I fixed myself. I really don't. I mean, I think you 
took like anything you take one day at a time and you try to fix whatever you can. I think for anybody who's listening and you as well, and you know, I didn't really know this story or at least not all of it. You know, you, you have to find your happiness, like you said, but you have to realize that you're not also, you're not broken. This isn't, you're not that, that, you just were not meant to have a child that's, and there's nothing wrong with that. And it's no different than people who don't want to have them because that's another thing that, that is wrong with society today. If you want to not have children, people shit on you for it. And I think that's wrong. Especially Um, women. Yeah. I mean, if you don't want to have a child, it's not for everyone. I will tell you that it's, it's not easy. It's, um, it's a grinding thing to do. And you did raise a child. I mean, you, you adopted and you, you know what it's like to, to, you know, raise a child. It's not easy. It's not. Oh no, nothing about. (laughs) And then when you, and then, you know, it's, it's not easy anyway, but when you're raising somebody else's child and all that, that comes, I mean, that should Mm -hmm. be a show in itself because that was, that was an undertaking. To, uh, I, th- I think I'm going to write that degree. down. Yeah. I don't yeah, know. Because I think me and you, were, me and you are kind of the same, you know, I had step girls. Yeah. So it, it's, it, it is. It, and let me tell you, you're right. It's not easy. No, it's not. I, I don't know how much I even want to talk about that yet. Uh, my daughter and I are not on the best terms. And I try to not even look at that at all because of the frustration and the, and the pain and the hurt that's, that's gone on through the years. I kind of, I, that's one of those things that I just put in a ball and threw in the corner and I'll get to it later, you know? <laughs> yeah. But I think, you know, you can't run from it. It's like this, you know, th- there's a reason you wanted to do this show. Yes. Whatever this that one's is. for sure. No, but yeah. what I'm saying is it's very similar, right? It, you, you can only have the clothes in the corner for so long. We got to pick them up, you know, sooner or later. That's you know, true. With whatever it is. I mean, you can, you, you, you have to realize that you're okay. You, you did what you did. You, you wanted to do this show for a reason. Yes. To, to, to tell your story, to tell people, look, you're going to be okay. Absolutely. And, and that is the point. Lately, a few of my clients have been going through fertility treatments and they are just hammered just like I was and they come in and they just look so defeated and beat up. And, and I always tell them, you know, the worst thing will not be you not getting pregnant. Like that's not going to be the worst thing that's ever going to happen to you. And, you know, as, as much as I still hope for them and, and pray that they'll get what they want. I also know that there's life after wanting to do that. And there's good life after wanting to do that. It's not, it doesn't have to be a bad thing. It doesn't have to be a, a, I still feel like it was a failure on my part. I feel, still feel like I was broken. That's just, that's just me dealing with, with my issues, but knowing that, you know, I'm here 10 years later going, wow, life would have been so different. Um, Things would have been so much harder or maybe it would have fixed it. I don't know, but it's not that bad. You know, I, I, I say that a lot. Like, yes, I'm going through a divorce. Yes. I had to move. Yes. All these things are happening and it's still not that bad. Um, 
I think as you age, you start to see things differently and you look at them and maybe you just know how to deal with it a little bit more. I don't really know what the answer is to that, but I do know that there is a place that you could get to after all this that's fun and happy and and you feel yourself again, you feel whole again. And if you are struggling, just know that that is going to be for you one of these days may not be while you're going through the fertility treatments because Lord knows I know what a bitch I was when I was on those treatments, but, but there is life after all this. And sometimes it will include babies and sometimes it won't. Sure. Um, and again, if you are, you know, there's, there's always places to find help, you know, therapy, um, friends, you know, find it. Don't, don't let this sink you as a human, I think, at least in my case, how I would see it from the standpoint of, of wanting to help somebody and go for, go forward. There, there's life after everything. Yes, there is. There and is. And I was not a talker. Like I said, this was not something that I really talked about. Uh, it was kind of something that I just put away and didn't deal with it were the, it was the clo- the clothes in the, in the corner. And, and it is okay to talk about it. And it's okay to state your frustration and your pain and your hurt and your, whatever it is that you're going through, don't let it sit for 10 years because it really doesn't do anything, but eat at you. Correct. Um, from my standpoint, looking at you, if I asked you a question for somebody else, like if, how long did it take you until you just realized? So would you have kept going if, if you didn't have to have a partial hysterectomy? Do you think you would have kept going? Yes. Okay. Oh yeah. You, for me, I was so obsessive with it that I would have done it until the money ran out until every bit of money that we had ran out. Right. So it was a, for you, it was a, it was a either do it or it was a do or don't like, I'm going to yes. go until, until the body says I can't do this anymore. Oh yeah. And, and as it was my, my husband at the time was, are you sure you want to keep doing this? Are you sure this is the right thing to do? Are are you sure? And there is no telling me no, just so you guys know out there, like when I want to do something, <laughs> there is no telling me no, I will find a way and I don't need you to do it. So uh, yeah, he, he didn't have a choice in the matter. I was going to do it and, and did until my body said, uh, no, I was hemorrhaging to death. They wanted to do a um, emergency hysterectomy on me. And I said, no, they wanted to do a blood transfusion on me. And I said, no, my daughter was getting ready to graduate in a week. And I said, I'll do it after graduation because I needed to be there. Uh, you know, I fought long and hard with her to get her grades to where they needed to be. And she was a badass with them. So I wanted to see her graduate. That was that was more important than going and having a hysterectomy because that in itself was for me a failure I didn't want to deal with. So I waited until after uh, her her graduation, and then um, and then I had to do it because I was getting critically low in in blood from hemorrhaging to death. So that's when I decided to do it. I now know real. Uh, excuse me. I now realize why me and you are, are get along so well 
because I, I, I'm also one that's like, it's when I see a target, I don't stop until I get it. Yeah. And that's, uh, and that's, it's a very, very, very bad thing to have, but no, it's, it's also a good. It's, it's not bad. I mean, you'll just put yourself through some severe pain as you, as you grow and evolve. I don't think yeah. I, I don't force shit that much anymore. Like, I think that also taught me, you know, it's okay to not just let it, to let things go, just let it yeah. go. Not, not be so obsessive, not be so compulsive, not be so extreme calm it back. I mean, you don't have, and, and part of it was all the hormones. Let's face it. I was not myself, but, but definitely I, I needed to, I needed to let go of a lot of things that I, that I felt, uh, I, that wasn't serving me. You know, if you, if I look back on it, all of those times I was going through all those fertility treatments and all the medications, I was so sick, so sick. And I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't even do what I needed to do on a daily, like emotionally and spiritually and, and psychologically, I was sick and I shouldn't have pushed anything to the degree that I did. And I did. That's just what I do. But you made it out. I did. I did. I made it out. And there is, there is life after this. You could, you could still, you could still look back and think, what if, and, and you could try to process those feelings or you could just look at it and go, wow, that wasn't for me. So what is me now going to be? And then work at that because I found that finding me and being me again was something I don't think I ever really did because all the things that I was going for or doing was to make other people happy or it was because of their expectations that I was the way I was. And finally, I got to look at my life because there was nothing left to look at when it was all said and done. I just needed to. And then I started working on myself and being productive and finding ways to be happy that didn't include having children. Well, it looks like you made it out uh, pretty good. Well, it looks like you're, you're doing all right. It remains to be seen. I think every day is a yeah. new day. And, yeah. but you know, I, I have to tell you, I, in my life, I've suffered a lot of horrible things and a lot of loss and a lot of just shitty situations. And the one thing that's always gotten me through it is my sense of humor. Don't lose your sense of humor going through all of this. I mean, let it be morbid, let it be dark, do whatever you got to do with it, but keep that sense of humor because it will get you through some really dark times. Well, maybe we can wrap it up on that. That's a pretty good statement to, uh, to close the show on, I think. I think you're correct. Keep moving forward. Like the, the sun's brighter out there and look, it, it's okay to, to keep fighting, fight, fight, fight. Yes. It, it's, there's nothing wrong with it. Whatever, whatever it is you're trying to fight for. And uh, there's, there's light at the end of every tunnel, I think. Absolutely. Well, uh, you want to give a little shout outs here? You know, I do. Uh, so We've been doing this for about two months now, and yes. um, we have we have some new countries that our podcast is being listened to. So uh, Australia, India, we have seven different cities in India now. So thank you, India, for listening to us. We have uh, England and Italy and, and two new ones, Russia and Colombia. Don't know how we got way out there, but that is super cool. Please 
keep listening and make sure that you um, you follow us and you subscribe. Uh, as a listener, if you want to hear us, you could listen to us on Spotify, Google, Amazon, Apple, Facebook. There are so many ways I've been trying to just see how many ways I could listen and just Googling up. Uh, don't get this twisted podcast. It came right up. So feel free to tell your friends and help us out because we are definitely wanting to keep doing this. And if you have any feedback, you could reach us on Facebook, or if you know us, you could always text us, send us a smoke signal, do whatever you got to do. Give us your feedback. Let us know how, uh, how we're doing. And I have to say that I, there are two people that, that have been giving us feedback that I just want to say, I personally want to say thank you to. And one is Jen, who is a friend of the professor and my cousin, Mary. So thank you guys for listening. Please continue. And hopefully we will, we will be doing this for quite a while. And as always, this is a show about opinions and uh, you know, if you don't like it or if you do, don't get this twisted because uh, we're just trying to have a little fun out there. We will see you or you'll hear us in a week from now. We'll talk to you later. Bye.